Professor, I should just quickly say to mention that um, since I'm going to talk about Nehru, so for the last five years, like a five-year plan, I've been working on a uh, book on um, the idea of fraternity and violence in India. And I do that, uh, okay, I've been uh, finishing a book, coming to an end, uh, a book on the idea of fraternity in India and what might count for the political in that sense, so the question of violence has been central to it. In another publication, which is, this is not about uh, vanity, it's more about to set this uh, conversation uh, in some kind of context. In another publication, which is in press, which is uh, an issue edited by Fassel, uh, which is on uh, 1984 in uh, Punjab, and the kind of languages of sovereignty in India and violence, I make the argument that actually 1984 is the end of post-colonial India. And that, you know, in a way, historians like to play the dating game. And this is, uh, that, that's kind of, I'm just kind of outing that. And uh, because uh, you would be familiar, uh, when does new India begin or, and so on, because we're going to talk about Subodh Gupta. So all of that is uh, relevant. But for me, the crucial point of departure in India is uh, both Punjab terror and the anti-Sikh riots in, in Delhi, uh, because they rearranged uh, sovereignty as well as, as it were, languages and deployments of violence in India. So I'm just, uh, that's just a kind of uh, background and I'm a true interloper in this uh, conversation uh, because um, art is kind of uh, compelling. It's not, uh, it's also almost a, a distraction, uh, but it's not something I'm systematically uh, thinking about or, or, or working. But what I want to do today is also to link a little bit about my work, uh, which looks as, at, as it were foundational figures or father figures. This conversation goes down, goes back to yesterday and Sumati uh, Ramaswamy's work. And uh, one of the arguments I make is that despite the obsessionalism with Mother India, um, it's really the figurations of the father uh, and various figurations of them uh, that really uh, allow for the political to articulate itself the way it does in India. And a kind of second uh, kind of um, hands up uh, kind of uh, outing of myself, I'm quite uh, influenced by Lacanian uh, psychoanalytic thinking. And I'm with uh, Lacan when he says that actually a dead father is more powerful than a living one. And the dead father is more powerful precisely because it is in his name that the symbolic order operates. So a living father is a man of obligations, but a dead father is the one who can help the emergence of a family or the gener you know, multiple generations, nations, fraternities, what have you. So I want to do today two things, and um, I start with M.F. Hussain because I have a very long paper on him, but which I'm not going to talk about, and there are several people I'm indebted to in this room, especially their works, uh, and shan't embarrass them. Uh, but uh, to, to really uh, say what I want to do is set Gandhi as one father figure with Hussein as his kind of interlocutor. I want to interlocute the two, and I want to interlocute uh, Subodh Gupta, uh, India's most uh, famous contemporary artist, uh, with Nehru. So I've deliberately taken the two most famous uh, uh, and most expensive uh, Indian artists uh, because I see the iconicity of uh, India being co-produced in, in their works. So, uh, so to say that um, 
in a way, uh, going back to the last panel, uh, you know, modernism and nation operates as a double in India. You, you know, it doesn't, these things cannot be separated. And, um, and here, we needn't be detained, though the 50s, 60s, uh, or 40s onwards, there was a kind of obfuscation between modernism, modernity, and modernization theory, which we all know very, we all know about. Uh, but I'm again, um, telegraphically, uh, I, I agree uh, with uh, Jacques Rancière, who actually says that this is a deliberate uh, obfuscation because so as to allow for regimes of art to appear as autonomous from the political. So in a way, we might want to kind of uh, dis disentangle these things, but, uh, but really these obfuscations are very productive to, to create a so-called autonomous uh, zone of, of the political. So I'm really interested uh, in this, uh, it's a very speculative uh, uh, conversation, uh, to really to understand the production of India uh, as a global category, uh, and uh, really not, not the way historians see India, which is a spatial or territorial category. So what does India stand for as a category? And here, I think uh, Hussein and the progressives uh, who are next to him, I mean, I really love this uh, picture of him, um, this, this kind of, you know, all the way from Pandarpur to Qatar. Uh, this is the progressive, very iconic uh, set of men uh, we all know who go by the name of progressives. Uh, but uh, really, uh, one of the, the things that one, what I take from their work, and I can take questions and all that, is that in a way that they, in a way, detached uh, the question of what Indian aesthetic was going to be from the hold of European universalism. So we, I don't want to debate good or bad Orientalism, but really there was the, the point of that work was to kind of get out of the universalism, especially of, uh, of that period and what came to be called nature mort, or the killing the tradition in which India's uh, life had been rendered still. So this is really, this is, this is the work that they, in a way, you know, good, bad work, I mean, that's... And so modernism and these guys were particularly concerned with uh, uh, three themes of freedom, nonviolence, and futurity. And we've heard a little bit of that uh, in earlier uh, panels. And in a way, it, this was a very Nehruvian project because uh, 19, in 1947, uh, when India became free, uh, so this is a slight departure from Sonadatta's uh, emphasis, uh, Nehru had called time on the past. Uh, he said the past is over, um, the turning point is past, and history begins anew for us. The history we shall live and act as, and others will write about. So this is, in a way, also a kind of a disengagement, a kind of a moment, a very kind of uh, open embrace of a rupture, rather than something which wants to kind of continue uh, with the past. And in a way, the iconicity of India uh, would be central to it. And here you can see uh, uh, Nehru's dreamscape. Uh, this is where I grew up. I, I, was, I studied there. I was born there. Uh, is Chandigarh, and you can see that Chandigarh ha has no concession to the past. There is no concession to the vernacular. Uh, it is a completely future-oriented, uh, you know, dreamscape, if you want to call it, uh, horror, whatever. But it's a kind of, uh, you know, it's a concrete modernity of that variety. And in a way, it also serves as, if I can use that metaphor, as Nehru's Kalinga moment, in the sense when Ashoka has, you know, won the war and then he you know, gives up, uh, you know, converts to Buddhism. Uh, uh, in a way, this is also a post-violent landscape. 
This is, after all, in the heart of Punjab. It is the new capital of Punjab and Haryana. And also something like, you know, it would be an unimaginable feat today to have a thousand villages, uh, you know, relocated overnight. So amidst much violence, precisely the people who have suffered violence and who have, you know, experienced it, this dreamscape is, you know, installed there. So futurity here is, of course, an opening uh, which, cannot, uh, which cannot be ever experienced, but is only a feat of imagination. So in a way, that's why I think the Nehruvian project is so dependent on people like the progressives or, or other, or even Kabusier, is because in a way the futurity, which is a work of the imagination, needs to be articulated in, in that aesthetic register. So the work of the artist becomes incredibly uh, preeminent. So it's not so much uh, as the artist a citizen, as it was said uh, yesterday, uh, but it's more foundational than that. It's, it's, it's more of a kind of, uh, it's a more foundational uh, role than that. So I want to say a little bit about uh, two aspects of uh, Hussein, who is the iconic figure of this moment. And uh, so this is, of course, Chandigarh. And I want to say two, three things which have not been noted in this, uh, in this conference uh, thus far, though Hussein has been mentioned uh, several times. So I want to say that, like for me, Hussein bears, and I think Somati and others in this room have also said, have pointed to it, bears a very strong uh, interlocution or possibility with Gandhi for two reasons, uh, I would say three reasons actually, uh, because uh, in a way, Gandhi's politics, uh, as Vassal Devji has uh, brilliantly uh, told us, is rooted in the idea of the subject. His politics is not rooted in statecraft, unlike Nehru or, or any of those, uh, any of the other figures, but it's really a, a, polit a, a kind of, a, it's a subject-oriented politics, uh, which is why Gandhi's fascination with celibacy, walking, and, and so on. But the main point is that also Gandhi is interested in sovereignty, just the way all the other guys are at this point. And uh, here, uh, as we know, Gandhi separates uh, the question of uh, killing and dying uh, to usher in a new politics of sacrifice. Okay, this is Fassel's work, but I want to bring in uh, Hussein here to say that actually Hussein is interested in uh, is in in uh, in the figure uh, in sovereignty, which comes up in very clearly in his Karbala series uh, of the disconsolate but triumphant figure after the figure of, uh, you know, the whole. Uh, so this is the, <clears throat> I mean, why is, why is, uh, why is uh, Hussein, why is Hussein so obsessed with horses, which we cannot escape, you know, you go to any mural, you know, you know, it's, it's always there, but it is the symbol of, of sacrifice and sovereignty uh, because it is the triumphant figure of the horse after the sacrifice of Imam Hussein. And, and uh, so in a way, whether it is the figure of the, this or indeed Ashoka's chakra, uh, these are all symbols of as it was sovereign order and, and which providing a kind of iconicity which is then uh, put together, you know, in murals, in airports, you know, it becomes inescapable. But for me, uh, and also here, okay. this is, of course, the foreheads of Nehru, uh, and which I think is, again, a remarkable 
painting uh, by Hussein, uh, which of course is an open uh, or dialogue or ripoff of Rushmore, and and it's a kind of way in which um, uh, you know he's announcing, as it were, the four directions of India in a way are all Nehruvian. There is no other figure, though of course the secret spirit of his uh, if, of his own preoccupations uh, would be Gandhi uh, rather than uh, Nehru. And here we know uh, that, uh, that, so what, 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 what do I want to draw out here? Uh, one, that uh, in terms of their biography, they both share a princely passage. They come from princely states, and they move to, as it were, so-called cosmopolitan cities, whether of South Africa or, or of Bombay. But in their ultimate ends, they are also united because they, they share a common enemy in Hindutva. Uh, so, um, but for me, the individuality and the celebrity and the visibility of Gandhi's own body uh, and Hussein's own fashioning of himself as a celebrity artist is something um, worth pondering over. Uh, and here, I think the key he has several, and I think the Alkazi collection has some of the best. Uh, uh, and so here, his sort of you know embrace of. Uh, Barefoot. Uh, so here I want to talk about his walking. Uh, we all know that Gandhi made walking into the, the, the key uh, political act of our times uh, and uh, created mobilization on it. Uh, but we forget that actually Hussein walked, used to walk barefoot across the nation. And in a way, so much so that the rucks uh, uh, so you know the, the, the so, 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 sorry the, the, so the, the, so much so that the Rux uh, um, artist Chudabrata um, Sengupta in his uh, obituary to Hussein says that you know he was you know sitting in a DTC Delhi transport uh, bus and he'd seen uh, you know Hussein walking and barefoot and he was so mesmerized, mesmerized as a teenager that he decided gosh I have to become an artist right so there's this kind of incitement to becoming something which was very similar to which I mean you know take what you do but this is this is the kind of um, this is the kind of stuff that uh, that that he there was a generative power to his uh, to his uh, walking and that being the most kind of uh, you could say uh, uh, most frank or most kind of confessional or uh, uh, kind of uh, you know admission but of course uh, what is at stake was the question of freedom and since this is this is uh, uh, this is uh, and in a way I just want to point one more two things. This was discussed yesterday, but and of course him giving it to the Gandhi family. This is Mrs. Mrs. Gandhi, Mother India. But I wanted to say a few things here. Uh, so in a way, Hussein's labor was to literally, figuratively create uh, a kind of iconicity for India. Here, this is Mother India. But in a way, what is interesting is that uh, he defaced his own. Uh, he defaced his own painting uh, before leaving, uh, you know, before it left his hands with, uh, with, with Bhopal etched out on one side for the Carb Union Carbide thing and the other for 2002 uh, Gujarat uh, uh, pro uh, programs. So, the, uh, uh, you know, in a way uh, to channel WJT Mitchell's work on imagery, you have iconicity, you also have iconoclash because he is being hounded by the Hindutva lot, but you also have iconoclasm because he, in a way, defaces his own work uh, to leave a different kind of mark 
on that. Uh, and of course, ultimately, uh, as we know, uh, he will walk out of the nation uh, itself and die in Qatar. Uh, so this is uh, him in, uh, and painting Banaras. So we know the kind of things he did, you know, the big murals. Until the end, he was doing them. This, one of his last works is Banaras, I'm told. And, uh, and here, of course, Gandhi. And you know, the atomic age is also mentioned very briefly there. At the, and this one. So he, there's a lot to Gandhi in him, which today, of course, and you know, finally, actually, his uh, uh, his point really with uh, with Subodh uh, is that in a way that they're entirely different at some level. And here I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to see that Subodh Gupta has made my life easy by wearing a T-shirt called Freedom. And you know, so you know, you know, so it's uh, but. Um, in a way, uh, uh, one could say two things in conclusion which, about Hussein, which lead up to this. Uh, one is that, in a way, uh, the debate around uh, uh, his Hindutva uh, controversy is not really about syncreticism, as was discussed yesterday, but really the intimate nature uh, between Hinduism and Islam in India. It's really intimacy that was at stake rather than synch syncreticism, because uh, you know, Hussein was in a way dressing and undressing deities just the way in temples they would be, right? In a way, so in a way that was uh, that was at, at stake rather than that this is a multicultural, happy, clappy lot who then suddenly become bad, right? It's more that he had such ease with the, the Indian epic traditions that he actually <laughs> was entirely familiar. It was an, it's, it was a, it was an act of familiarity and intimacy uh, rather than fusion. Uh, Okay, so uh, the, the, the point, uh, the second point about Hussein and him is that there's a complete, uh, in a way you could say the national elite exhausts all the capacities for representation. There's a very tight compact between the national elite of the earlier generations. I mean, the 10 people, the five bodies, and, and in a way they exhaust all the possibilities of representation of what India officially, iconically, iconic, iconically could stand for. So, uh, so in a way, Subodh is is a is a very. I mean, I'm interested in him only because precisely because he's big uh, and all of that. Uh, it's not so much about the quality of the work, and, and he also comes up at the time of the 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 at the time of uh, uh, Hussein's in a way departure from India. You know, and uh, and uh, and in a way, he's part of that moment in India's history. Uh, Sri Rupa would bear me out. Or you know, you know, obsessively called the second democratic upsurge, uh, where you really have a very different kind of person sort of getting into uh, into the political landscape, and is marked by the three M's of the mandal or reservations, uh, mandir, masjid, i.e., uh, babi masjid issue, and indeed market the open opening of of liberalisation. So my, my key point here uh, for, for, uh, for him is that he's a, he's a highly assembled and uh, self-fashioned artist. And, and he's an open uh, dialogue, uh, I think, with Andy Warhol and Damien Hirst. This, this, this is not a squeamishness. There's a complete, uh, and in a way, like both of them, uh, you know, what he gives value to and what value gets attached to him become inseparable. So this is the fate of the contemporary artist, in is is, is especially of the, the one working at at such scale. 
Anyway, so what he is trying to do here, I think, uh, and these are highly speculative uh, remarks, uh, is that he also wants to, uh, it's a kind of subjectivation of the political in a way that if you see his mid-career retrospective, it was called Everything is Inside. And I wanted to sort of belabor on this point that in a way, because uh, if you look at the earlier generation of artists who were like, uh, like Hussein, trying to give expression to what India could look like, uh, this is a kind of interior internalization. It's a kind of op opposite direction uh, uh, work. It's, it's, uh, and here, of course, market value, uh, objects, commodity, all of that comes very heavily in. This is, of course, a ripoff at one level of Damien Hirst's very, uh, uh, very uh, uh, famous and expensive skull made of diamonds. And here I, uh, I, I want to sort of point uh, two themes. Do I have five minutes? Or no, five, seven, okay. Um, um, and, and so the themes that interest me around uh, Subodh Gupta are, of course, the fate of uh, Nehru's India, uh, but also questions of excess and waste, uh, uh, both of money, uh, market, uh, but also in his own materiality of the use of excrement, uh, which, is, uh, which is also uh, uh, present. And, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, so I'm interested, and the materiality, in a way, of, of, of steel. So Subodh Gupta, if, you, if anyone who knows anything a little bit about uh, contemporary India would know that uh, you know he grew up in Bihar and he studied in Delhi, but he would to me fits in a kind of uh, triad of uh, you know Indian sort of I, people who are producing new aesthetics for India. Let's put it like that. So there is Subodh Gupta, and then there is Anurag Kashyap. Uh, also from Bihar, uh, producing uh, very violent uh, films, uh, noir films around uh, 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 coming out of Bihar, and the, and the third, of course, Pankaj Mishra, uh, who who also grew up in small town steel India. So in a way, uh, there's a way in which, unlike the other uh, figures that I, uh, we we think about, these all these three figures uh, share this kind of common heritage, which is that they grew up in the steel towns that Nehru produced, uh, that they were mentioned by Sri Rupa. Uh, and in a way, so this is of course to say that he is following this tradition of, you know, this, the lack of, the Duchamp tradition of the lack of separation between how value gets attached to, to what? I mean, what is the value to, you know? I mean, uh, uh, so this is of course Bihar, and uh, and uh, so um, Subodh uh, Gupta's work is very unlike, I would say, uh, both uh, Anurag Kashyap, whom he has uh, collaborated with, as well as I say Pankaj Mishra, because Pankaj Mishra's work, la la latest book, is uh, fixated uh, on the question of anger. Uh, I think uh, Subodh is quite a naive artist in some ways. He's not an angry artist, if I can put it like that. He's, uh, there's a kind of uh, way in which he wants to keep the, the openness of and even almost a romantic innocence of Bihar alive in his work. And, uh, but he, of course, talks about, uh, um, there is this, the, 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 this, of course, is a gesture to, to, to the violence of, of coal mines and, 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 and so on that dotted the landscapes and which undid the, the steel cities and coal towns of uh, northern India that, uh, that Nehru had uh, instituted. Um, and 
in a way, what you have with him is that Nehru is Nehru in Nehru's, uh, Nehru's India is retroactive. It is repeated, but it is displaced entirely. It is displaced onto a completely different terrain. So steel and and, and steel, which is actually a mo of, of monumental uh, uh, ability, you know, it's monumental for for uh, for in every respect uh, for uh, for Nehru. But what you get here then is. Uh, I want to talk about Bihar a little bit for two, two minutes, and which is to say that uh, Bihar, uh, for him, also operates the, the point of migration and circulation of labor, uh, which, of course, we know from the 19th century, this is the place where uh, the large number of people went uh, to, to indenture. And the works on the Daos uh, 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 refer uh, to that history of migration. Now, of course, at the moment, uh, you know, uh, uh, historians really love circulation. They think people moving around is a great thing, and uh, you know, and uh, and in a way, uh, what what and they think that this in a way gets us out of the national problem, right? So there's a kind of in a way, but in a way, what uh, Subodh's work is pointing out on closer inspection is uh, the uh, the containment and even the claustrophobic nature uh, of this enterprise, uh, and uh, and particularly. Uh, here, fans, things that would, we would associate with, if anyone's been to a clerk's office in, in India, would know that these are fixtures that have come from a, a low-level bureaucratic office, which would have, you know, you would need those paperwork to, to you know, get your permit out of the country or, or, or in. So there's a, there's a, there's a consideration here uh, with a bureaucratic uh, power, which, which uh, I don't have time to, to get into, but in a way, he, while he's, he's putting mobility and containment in, in one place, in a way, the, the, the vessel, in a way, is not a site of freedom, if I can put it like that. Uh, it, it's quite the opposite. So this is the kind of stuff inside it. Uh, and here, I want to start with uh, the second aspect of his uh, work, which is about excess, and, and in a way, uh, how excess is also uh, marked by, uh, this is slightly, so these are the steel towns. It stopped working. Uh, okay, so everyone, this is the kind of stuff we associate with Subodh, right? I mean, you know, this is the kind of work he does, things falling out. Uh, and, you know, and or uh, quite apart from the Daos that are also, uh, so um, in a way, um, I'm, I mean, I'm interested in in in, in this uh, paradox of you know of you could say the uh, the you know in a way I, I, I'm a bit squeamish about talking about uh, things like excrement and vomit, but you know, but that's really what is is going on. That there's a there's a desire to expel excess, and it is a there's a desire of of things falling out and. Uh, and uh, and you see that most clearly. Again, you know, this of course uh, refers to Anish Kapoor's work in Bil in the Bilbao, where also what I'm trying to say is whether it's Anish Kapoor or whether it is uh, uh, 
uh, Subodh Gupta, uh, you know, channeling Simon Schaffer's work, that actually certain materials produce certain performativities. You know, that you need certain materials to do the kind of work or, 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 or of, a, of a particular performance, and therefore, uh, why steel? You know, why is he into steel? Uh, here, this is the stuff, this is the other kind of stuff we see, the domestic uh, repeated, you know, as a fetish. Uh, uh, you, you can't get away from it. Uh, and, uh, and then, of course, uh, the cow, I thought we had to have her uh, in these times, uh, you know, I mean, he, so, so in a way, um, what, um, and here is the other side of steel, the other material that he uses is excrement, whether it is cow dung or whether it is uh, human excrement, which, which is what I will end with. But uh, we know, uh, 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 we know that Chris Offaly, also contemporary artist, uh, British contemporary artist, also works with cow dung. Now the thing about the cow dung, like steel, is that it's supposed to be a disinfectant, anti-germs. It tends to kind of, um, uh, it also kind of in a way uh, fights off, I mean, this is how Offaly describes it, uh, the fear of the alien. And in a way, um, you see that uh, with, with here, this is an installation in his mid-career uh, retrospective. Uh, this is an ode to Bihar. Uh, I'll leave you to decide what you make of it, but he literally wants you to enter, uh, enter, the, uh, enter the installation. But I'm interested in the question of excess uh, itself, uh, of, of excrement uh, itself. So here, uh, what I, I want to say um, is that um, those of us from India or South Asia would know that excrement is uh, entirely related to the question of caste, uh, and 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 uh, um, and and this is a very famous early uh, film he made uh, with again Rux. Uh, I think Monica Narula filmed it, uh, and it was in his DDA flat. And what is interesting about this film is that it is him covered in, you know, the stuff. And then he goes to, you know, uh, goes to, the, the film is shot, him taking a shower, removing it. But they show the film in reverse. So as it were, the, the excrement is coming back on him. Okay, so it is. It is so. In a way, uh, this is again. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, there are two two meanings to to be uh, to be had here. There are two registers of interpretation here to be had. One indeed of caste and mobility, uh, because Ambedkar had very uh, had exhorted uh, Dalits to move out of villages because he had said that it was un that the only mobility and leaving the village would allow them to, as it were, confront and kill caste. I mean, it's only through that kind of mobility it would be possible. But uh, the other, the, uh, but, so in a way he's is gesturing to caste, but he's also gesturing uh, uh, to the abject uh, nature of excess uh, itself, uh, because the excess itself produces a new spectacle. So in a way, exactly the kind of thing that you're trying to get out gets rescaled and becomes a spectacle. And in a way, this is the problem of the contemporary artist, uh, that you know, it ends with always uh, the, the abject and the spectacle become you know, inseparable. And uh, so I think what I wanted to sort of uh, uh, say, uh, perhaps here, is that in a way, if you look at um, related understandings of, of, of excess uh, and, and, and excrement, they, they refer to money. 
uh, we all know that for Freud, uh, it meant money. And uh, that it, it's something that gives value to something, but yet needs to, it, it, it needs to be possessed, but it also needs to be dispelled. This is the work of money. And, 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 and if we think about this work as more as a critique or an, or an engagement with money, then we might think about the contemporary, uh, contemporary art market uh, itself, not in moralistic terms, but to think of the contemporary art market to actually provide an arena in which vast reserves of capital may be wantonly expended. The point of the contemporary art market is to waste money. Uh, it is, it is, it is, and 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 in the wastefulness of such acts, uh, in a way of you know, the more the prodigality is maximized when the object uh, purchased itself represents or literally embodies waste. So we will look at Offaly, uh, you look at Damon Hurst, uh, you look at so the, these objects which refer also to waste also command a great amount of uh, price. So waste here is uh, not simply caste, though I you know I feel compelled to talk about that, but it is related to the contemporary work of money and 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 large sums of money uh, in the figure of the contemporary uh, artist uh, himself, and therefore who else but uh, they, but uh, Subodh Gupta uh, can be uh, talked here. So in a way, uh, uh, what I want to end by just saying is that his work is primarily, uh, it, it can, could not have happened uh, prior to 2000 or late 90s. You know, it is very much, uh, uh, you know, but it is an appraisal in dialogue uh, with uh, Nehru's India. And in a way, um, um, what uh, what he ends, you know, in, in a way one could end by, by saying that unlike, uh, uh, unlike how we like to think about the global moment as something in which which is which is in opposition to the national, this is how we always, at least uh, academics, tend to think about the global as something which is freeing them from the uh, the confines of uh, of the uh, of the national through mobility, through circulation, through exchange. So both Gupta's work, in a way, is allowing. I'm not saying he does it himself, but he allows us a certain kind of provocation. To, to have caution over that and to actually argue the opposite, which is to say that the, 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 the oppositional category to the global is the, the, the subject. It's not, it is, it, is, it, is, it is the figure of the artist, it is uh, the individual uh, subject himself. So in a way, uh, in Subodh, by the time in its second iteration, Nehru's nation is no longer in search for its appropriate expression, figurative in, or in a city, or in a mural as Hussein enabled and labored, uh, but as a, it is the hallmark of the a global arrival of India as a category, uh, as a new universal. And in a way, uh, as it emerges in Gupta in its entirety or in its totality, it is indeed inside. So. That was really wonderful. Uh, and before opening the um, opening up for questions, I just have a, a few comments. Um, just taking off from the kinds of things you've said, you've said many things, uh, and I'll just mention three. Mm -hmm. uh, so one has to do with uh, uh, intimacy, which you and I have talked about on many an occasion, uh, and which is part of your, your forthcoming book, Fraternity. Uh, the whole point about violence is that it, it's, it, 
It is based upon, it presumes fraternity to happen. It's not outside the brotherly. Violence in this uh, context is entirely about intimacy. Now, we heard about some of this intimacy yesterday when discussing the assassination of Gandhi. Mm -hmm. How his assassin was his son. Uh, his assassin, by killing Gandhi, made him into the father of the nation. But it goes well beyond that. Whether you look at communal violence or uh, caste violence is a slightly different register, perhaps. But certainly communal violence is based on the idea of brotherhood, of Hindu-Muslim brotherhood, which one or the other side is seen as betraying. Uh, and it is so uh, uh, intense precisely because it presumes an intimacy. Mm. So you know, perhaps you can say a bit more later when dealing with the other questions about fraternity and its links to violence. Uh, in this context, you know, what you were saying about uh, Karbala, it hadn't occurred to me, of course, you know, I knew about Hussein, but I had made the, the elementary and lamentable mistake of identifying Hussein's concern with Karbala with his own background, mm -hmm. his own personal mm -hmm. background as a Shia mm -hmm. uh, figure. Uh, but of course, as you were speaking, it occurred to me that Gandhi very frequently referenced Karbala. Absolutely. And the uh, uh, martyrdom of Imam Hussein. Absolutely. And as with Gandhi, with Hussein too, the reference to Karbala is part, without being at all syncretic, it's part of a much larger world of reference. So for Gandhi, it includes of sacrifice mm -hmm. and sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Socrates, uh, um, it includes uh, Raja Harishchandra, mm -hmm. it includes Rama, it includes many figures. And so it does for Hussein, sometimes identical figures. Now, the interesting thing here is it's not about, therefore, syncretism, as, no. you, as you point out, mm -hmm. nor is it simply about an iteration of the demonstration of Indian plurality. There's something else going on precisely because sovereignty is what is at issue. Uh, and indeed the horse, since you point that out, that's an extraordinary symbol of sovereignty. Yeah. Now the riderless horse, Imam Hussein is never to be seen, he's not painted. Uh, the horse uh, uh, is the sign of sovereignty, yes. it's not the Imam in a way. It's very, very interesting how that works. It's the riderless horse who, is, who needs to be mastered. Again, the horse is what remains. The horse is what is living. The horse is the state, uh, mm -hmm. the state that Hussein himself fought for. And of course, one can't help but think of the Ashwamedha and the figure of the horse sacrifice in ancient India, etc. Um, uh, so that's another set of things in which the focus on sovereignty literally destroys the entirely culturalist narrative of syncretism and pluralism yeah. and all the rest. And finally, the excremental remainder. Mm -hmm. Um, you didn't mention Batai, but the remainder yes, is yes. You know, linked to his work as well. And I find it so fascinating because it's both the same and the opposite, i.e. steel and shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I deliberately didn't put yes, it in the title. Yes, uh, uh, you know, That's money right. and art object. Yeah. Uh, the same but, uh, but opposite. And in a way, it's the most perfect thing to have stainless steel, which as you pointed out, is the as it were, the archetypical material in modern India to signal purity or the making Anti of Antibacterial. Antibacterial, stainless steel, mm. no, not any mm. other kind, is exactly what is used here. But as you show, it not only in its sheer proliferation and grandiosity becomes waste in its own right. It's almost like a, a certain kind of Nehruvian vision. Mm -hmm. It's kind of you know, cancerous proliferation. Mm. Uh, but also it can be signaled or symbolized by its ostensible opposite excrement. Um, uh, and it, it made me think of what you're saying, what you, what you cite from uh, Subodh, everything is inside. Mm -hmm. 
So the difficulty then is how do you, what happens to the waste? The waste is also inside in a way. The problem is the problem of expelling. How do you expel? And you end with the art world, and in a way, that's a kind of interesting circular movement where the expelling of waste in the form of excess money mm -hmm. comes back to you, and that yeah. is the commodity, yeah. which is it is excessive in another way. So it's well, a, the idea of the contemporary exactly. artist as an it's, excessive yes, category. Yeah. I mean, he's excessive. I mean, so in a sense, it goes back to the, your earliest point in a way that uh, not only that everything is inside, and I could take this inside as being the nation in mm -hmm. some ways, mm -hmm. but also that. There is nothing, as you point out, the progressives argued, and Nehru himself, mm. there is nothing before. Yeah. It is all inside. That the only way to get past that moment is excremental. Mm. Uh, and the problem is what do you do with the dross? The dross of the making of steel and the dross of uh, excrement itself.